Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Life Money You podcast. I am Bjorn, and I am super excited today. It's not often I get to have some other podcasters and experts on the show. So very, very excited to welcome Chris and Erica Young to the podcast. Welcome, you guys. I'd love for you just to introduce yourselves to our audience. Thank you so much for having us. It's, it's really a pleasure to be here. Yeah, we're glad to be here, Bjorn. And, you know, since we haven't met your audience, you know, I'm Chris. and I'm Erica. We are the Youngs. <laughs> and we, we, do, we co-host the For Better and Worse podcast, which is a couples and money podcast, which we started about a year ago. And, you know, we're just having fun with it. Yeah, we are. And I've actually been in the financial space for a long time. Officially, it's been about 19 years I've been coaching families and helping them with their budgets and getting out of debt and all that and moving into financial wellness and helping the broader audience to either train other coaches or deliver financial wellness programs. So it's a thrill. I'm really glad to be doing something with my husband. And this is our empty nester baby is the way we call it. (laughs) I love it. (laughs) I still work. I, I work corporately for a major organization. So that's what I do in my daytime. But you know, we have been on this financial journey as a couple for, you know, a long time. We've been married a long time and it's become a passion of ours and Erica's made it her full-time work. So it makes it easy for us to just jump in and talk about it. Yep. Yeah, it's so awesome. I, what I love is just, we were talking a little bit about it, but your rapport together, you know, just like, just sort of how honest you are with each other and how you kind of welcome us into your relationship and how you handle money. And so I'm excited to talk about that today because I think as we think about the month of love and uh, what we can do, uh, wh- whoever's in your financial household, whether it's a spouse or a partner or other family, there are some kind of interesting dynamics that that come with that. And so I want to dig into that, but I appreciate you guys doing this today for the, the Life Money Podcast. So as we always do, I have to start with a joke here because it's just so important. Our audience can't get by without it. Uh-oh. So guys, why did the husband and wife always invest in the stock market as a team? Hmm. <laughs> the collective side. Uh, we don't know why, Bjorn. Why? <laughs> because a family that trades together stays together. Oh, wow. I know. <laughs> See, this is this is the reaction I always get. I told you guys, just give me a real reaction. It's it's kind of like, wow, I can't believe that we just said that on a recording. What a good dad joke is. There you go. Pause. I was like, oh yeah, should I laugh or right? My kids got me a dad joke book, and there's a five page introduction on how to deliver an appropriate dad joke. I didn't know there was that much to write about it, but it's kind of amazing. That's funny. yeah. Deadpan is is one key thing. So, anyways, <laughs> oh boy. Okay, well, let's move on. Let's let's talk a little bit about. I guess it would be fun, kind of, to hear a little bit about your journey. I think it's really neat to think that you guys are doing a podcast together. I mean, that's really cool. That is a, a couple. You're doing something, like you said, it's your empty nester baby. So, could you just tell us a little bit more about the journey to doing that? Like, why did you do it? When did you start those kinds of things? And highly encourage other people out there to check out your podcast too. Well, you know, I'll start. I mean, for a while there, this was something in the back of our minds that we wanted to do. We actually were guests many years ago on a radio show and we had fun. Like that was our first time. And I was like, oh, that's super fun. But I, I was. I don't even think podcasting was big back it then. It wasn't. It like, really wasn't. Radio. It was. Someone had it all set up in their house and it was all this equipment. I was like, oh, that's awesome. This is a big deal. And I was like, oh, that's really neat. And then I think 
over the years, there was just, I started to get in touch with more podcasters. I went to a conference that opened up my world to, you know, all of the people who are doing that work. And I was like, this is great. But I always knew that I didn't want to do it without my hubby. For some reason, I was like, I just need him to be a part of this. I didn't want to do it by myself, even though we've done this together. But I was like, is he going to want to do this? And he caught the bug when he came to the conference, too. Well, I'm going to tell the truth. <laughs> Please do. Set the story straight here. What was that right. that I she said? Was like, I need somebody to do all the back end well, work and the heavy lifting. That part. That part. Yeah. I don't want to do this. So I need uh, somebody I can have do that. I will echo that that is true. <laughs> but but I think we have, Erica and I have talked about money our entire marriage. And early on, when we first got married, you know, we were focused on getting out of debt and we were young. And I think it's unusual at that time that you really started to focus on getting out of debt because you're in a, a severe accumulation phase at that point with kids and houses. But we were like, nope, we're going to try and get out of debt and then kind of work from there. And so over the years, as she transitioned and started doing like coaching and that type of work, you know, I think it was something that we always had a passion for. She just did it as as full time and I was, you know, working a full time career. And so then one day we I went to a conference with her because I travel all the time. And when she traveled, she was like, well, you should come to this. And I was like, well, I don't want to go with these money nerds. <laughs> but then I went and I was like, wait a minute, these people are actually doing some things. And he is a money nerd. He just didn't want to admit it. <laughs> that's, that's, that's true. That's true. Yeah. And so then I said, you know what, if these other people are doing this, we can do this. And that's all she needed was that slight encouragement and motivation I had. And we just jumped in with two feet. Yeah. That's so it's awesome. been about a year. I mean, it, and the truth is, like, it's it, it has been a journey because I think the first three, three to four months, we were behind the scenes getting on each other's nerves trying to figure out how to do this. We <laughs> we had to get all of our what disagreements out prior to getting on the air. <laughs> It's like, if we could have put those outtakes out there, man, this thing. Oh, man. That's true. Seriously, That's right. True. You had the pregame, the pregame, uh, the pre-podcast to the, to the actual oh, one they God. recorded. Yep. Yes. Yep. So well, that's, that's cool. Yeah, there are really, I mean, as I've gotten into the kind of the financial independence space and listened to a number of different podcasts, you're right. There are, there are some people doing some amazing things. And honestly, I've found both sort of some of my people, as well as just some really interesting ideas on ways to accelerate the growth of your finances, the getting out of debt, and really to reach that financial independence stage at a pretty young age for some of these folks. So it feels sort of unattainable when you just hear it at face value. But like you said, Chris, when you get to know people and you hear, you kind of meet them and you realize like, they're just normal people, just like we are. They just have been super dedicated. I bet that was really enlightening as you're out of the conference and meeting all these folks. I think, you know, really, when you think about a money journey, people, I just say they overcomplicate it because if you're in debt or you take a step back and look at your situation, it can seem daunting or overwhelming. And really, you know, it's like anything, you just take it a bite at a time and just stay committed to it. You can see your way out of it. You may not be able to see it while you're in the midst of the storm, but on the other side of the storm is always calm. But you got to weather, you know, that midpoint and get through it. And sometimes you got to just dig deep, say no to some things and be committed. And when you do that, when you get to the other side and it starts to be smooth sailing, your life is different. What you're able to do is different. The way you feel is different. And I'm just encouraged to share that with other people because I just feel free, you know, to go off and be my best self. <laughs>
Yeah, that's that's awesome. Can you guys tell me a little bit more too about how you grew up with money? I mean, you, you said you kind of came into your marriage and you had some debt and some different things. And of course, yeah, there's just so many different priorities you have to focus on. But did you bring in any like goods and bads to your marriage with your history of money and your family? Absolutely. We both came from single parent households Mm -hmm. and we didn't have parents who could help us go to college, even though we knew that it was important. They supported us. They just couldn't really financially do a whole lot. And so when we got together, we realized, wait a minute, we have student loan debt. We have credit card debt. We both had car debt by the time we got out of college. So we started out with about $60,000 in debt and had a kid early early, early to us, we really wanted to wait about five years and that didn't happen. Surprise. And then with her came, you know, the need for a better, more reliable car and had to buy a house. I mean, all of the things. Apartment wasn't good enough anymore. Exactly. And so a lot of money and interest because it was on debt. And so in the first five years of our relationship, we had to figure this thing out. So thankfully, we were on the same page about getting out of debt. We wanted something different. We just did not want to be ignorant and to stay in debt. And so we were aligned on that for sure. But it took us five years to pay off over $90,000 in debt all in. It was budgeting and it was applying ourselves and any bonuses and all the extra money putting it towards debt so that we can see that freedom. And it was awesome to be able to see that in our 20s because a lot of people don't wait or they will wait and they don't do that in their 20s. And we just, we were able to find that alignment pretty quickly in our relationship. But I'll also share this. I think we came into it, you know, we both had debt, but we didn't have a lot of knowledge right on how to get out of debt because I've been very clear with people. I grew up relatively poor and my mom, she just didn't know a lot about money and finance. She knew how to try and make work what she had and tried to figure things out. And I think that's where a lot of people are. They just try and take what they have and try and figure it out and make it work. And that can work for a period of time, but that won't get you where you really want to go and accelerate. And so for us, when we started out, we knew debt wasn't a vehicle that we wanted to continue to use to help us get where we wanted to go. But we had to learn about, you know, taxes and insurance and investing. And so we just started to seek knowledge out and just start educating ourselves about, you know, different investing tools and different the need for insurance because we had a little child. I was a husband, you know, I was like, well, I've got to make preparation should something happen to me and there's a need for insurance, but then there's different types of insurance and it can be overwhelming to people, but all you got to do is just go and seek knowledge and advice from trusted advisors, be that a friend or be that a professional, but just get knowledge and then it can help you start to go down the road. And so coming into it, we didn't have that knowledge and we've been fortunate to just, you know, gain knowledge and information over the course of years. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that that's amazing. I mean, you're you're totally right that it can feel very overwhelming. And like you just I mean, even the few things you mentioned, I would imagine some people are listening and going, Oh, like that already sounds overwhelming, you know, just like I'm a husband, a father, like I got, you know, like life insurance, like all these kinds of things. So you're right that talking with someone who has either gone before you or even just like a trusted person that has done their finances well. You should just tap them to ask, like, where do I get started? And like you guys, I think it both said, just getting started, you know, just like you don't have to do it all at once. I mean, just getting started, heading down that path kind of shows you some things that you may not have ever even thought were possible. And then all of a sudden, it sounded like you both kind of got excited about it too. You were starting to see progress. And then I kind of want to hear more about how did you get on the same page? Because that like, if you were putting all of your like bonuses and any extra money toward debt, like that's not a very fun way to spend your money. (laughs) 
So <laughs> how could you, not that life is all about having fun, but I mean, I, I would imagine you gave up some things you kind of wish you could have done probably to dedicate yourselves to this. Yeah, I think that is true. We did have some compromise, right? There was definitely some compromise. And Chris said it, we learned, we read books, we went to conferences, we did, looked at everything that our companies offered in terms of helping us. There was no life money you in our life at that point. You know what I mean? Like there were no digital tools and solutions online. There was just go seek it out. And we talked to more than one life insurance person or more than one financial advisor. And I remember specifically when we would have some of these conversations and I was like, I just don't, I can't, that person, it just, whatever, it something just didn't they said, jive with it didn't jive, right? And so we sought it out. But the truth is taking one step at a time was the biggest thing. I am a nerd. I will definitely say I'm a money nerd and I love spreadsheets. And I think as an engineer, when I was working in corporate America, I got into that stuff. So that part, when we actually put a plan together and put a budget down on paper, it made it real. It really did make it real. So honestly, that was, we just took one step and got that down to start with but we talk about this on our podcast and i say it's progress over perfection and i think there's a lot of people out there that are providing vice or experts and in some ways it has to be perfect you have to do it steps one two three abc or you're doing it wrong and i just think that's not how people live life you know you you make mistakes along the way you pick yourself up you dust yourself off and you get back up and keep going and i would rather see people make progress over perfection on your road and your journey. I believe we could have got out of debt sooner than five years. But, you know, we were on the progress over perfection plan. So we took some vacations. We went into debt when we probably shouldn't have and bought another car. But now we're at a place where we can make different decisions. And so though it may have taken five years, if it takes somebody a year or two years, it's about your level of commitment. And people sometimes, I think they want to live in a vacuum, but you don't do life in a vacuum because there's things that happen that cause you to have to make adjustments and shift. And so I think anybody who's listening and they are trying to figure this out, get focused on progress and not doing everything perfect, but don't continue to make a bunch of bad decisions. (laughs) Right. One of the things we did that got us on the same page quickly, though, was we wrote out what we wanted to see, like our our overall family vision. Like, what, what did we want? to accomplish man you know i still have that we do it was that's it was awesome. blue and white paper. It's like a piece of paper that's like 25 years old it is like, who has a piece <laughs> of paper that's 25 years old yes i actually still have it and mm-hmm. i go back and i look at it from time to time yeah because so we had like our family vision like what we wanted and one of those things was we wanted to get out of debt and we wanted to change our family tree and we needed to figure out what that was and so that was the reason we went and sought out information and that was the reason why we would listen to people on the radio and it was was because we knew that there was an education gap between what we wanted and where we currently were. And we sought it out. And so I think our 25 year relationship, like he says, progress over perfection, because we had to figure out what progress looked like. And we had to know that life is messy and we've suffered job loss and losses in our family and setbacks and medical expenses and all the things. And so 
if you think it's going to be perfect, life is going to deal you a different hand and you're going to have to still figure out how to get that vision accomplished. Yeah. So you set yourself up if you think it's going to be perfect. Right. To be disappointed. <laughs> exactly. Well, I love what you said there, too, about we had to figure out what progress meant for us. And I think that's something that is a little hard to communicate, I think, as like, I mean, all of us are sort of, I guess we're deemed financial experts in this space to some level. But we also, I think, all realize that for everyone, it's a little bit of a different personal story. And while there are some good behaviors that you can do and that you probably should do, or like you guys said, like we wanted to get out of debt, you you knew that that was good, but it means something different to everyone. I think that's something that is very important for anyone listening to realize is that you don't have to follow somebody else's story. Like you have your own life and money is a part of probably almost everything you do every day, but it's going to be different for every single person. And I love that you guys laid out your family vision and you got on the same page about what you agreed to focus on and what was going to be important. And then you just tried to reach that that vision. Most people I know never have that vision. I don't even think we have done that step of writing the family vision. We've we've talked about goals, but like we've never, I don't have a sheet of paper that, that's that old. So <laughs> I, we got to get one going here, I think, because that's a go. really great tip for anybody out there. Like write down your goals. Maybe you can put it on a computer or something so you don't have to, don't you leave that sheet of paper, but it's kind of cool that you still have that. That's amazing. Yeah. And you know, we had to go from from me charging on a credit card and not telling him her lunch yes, at work my work lunches so I didn't have to have that conversation so I thought and especially when I was a brown bagger yes oh so, boy right and he was <laughs> you were he was he was carpooling to work and all this and I'm over here charging lunch not every day but I was doing it and it was behind his back right so let's be clear that wasn't the right way to do it. And progress for us was level setting and saying this behavior can't happen anymore and let's not continue to debt if we're trying to get out. Progress for us was going on a trip you know, driving to California. We lived in Arizona at the time, driving to California and having a vacation there and doing it with cash, coming back and not having it on credit. That's progress, right? Like we're not debting. That was progress. And so when you say everybody's definition of progress is different, that's absolutely true Mm -hmm. because our progress right now is different than what it was 20 years ago, 25 years ago as well. What we deem as progress is going to change over time. And I think just figuring out between the two of you, like what is what does progress look like this month or this year? It doesn't have to be this long 20-year vision. It could just simply be, what does it look like in this small space so that we know that we're still making those tiny steps forward? Yeah, and if you don't accomplish the short-term small goals, you can't get to those medium term or longer term goals. And as we're thinking about, you say the month of love, (laughs) you know, you have to like, I think it sounds very cliche. But when people ask me, you know, we've been married for 25 and a half years now, people say, wow, how'd you do that? And it sounds very cliche. I was like, communication is really key. And when you factor money on top of that, everybody has their perceptions around how money should be handled in a relationship. Like, you know, I have my account, you know, you have your account or I have my money and your money is my money. There's a lot of different thought processes when you approach relationships and money, but you really do have to be on that same page. And I always think about this one movie we saw a long time ago and it's called Drumline. Oh yeah. And in that movie, you know, they talk about how you can be off playing your own instrument and I could be playing my instrument and collectively we're just making noise. But when we get on the same page and we're playing them in unison, we're making music. 
And making music is something very different than just making a bunch of noise. You got to say it, honey. You know, one, one band, band, one, one sound. sound. <laughs> <laughs> I like it. I love that movie. I'm, I'm actually a band nerd. I played through college. And so I totally understand that music analogy because you're right. I mean, if you're, there are moments to play on your own, but when you bring it all together, and that's a, a kind of a beautiful way to look at how to do your life and how to do finances, but realize that you, you may have certain skills or strengths or certain focuses, but when you combine it and communicate well, it's something even better can come out of that. It sounds like you've found a few things along the way as you guys have been doing this together and communication, obviously is a big part of that, having your family vision. Do you have any other tips at all for, or maybe even things that you look back on and go, definitely never do that as you think about doing money together over the last few years? Well, the, the first tip I would say, if we're talking about couples and I'll distinguish between, you know, married couples and couples that are just in, you know, non-married relationships. If you're in a married relationship, I think you should put your money together. People are probably like, oh my God, you know, they're swerving off the road while they're listening. To this. <laughs> but I just think it says something when you have a single account that you operate from. And Eric and I, we've always had a single account that we've operated from. So all the money comes into one pot and then we work from there and distribute, you know, to savings, investments, you know, when we were getting out of debt, paying debt off, because then it's, we have to be on the same page. But if you have two separate accounts, you know, you can kind of do your thing and put in what you want to put in or have behaviors or habits that you don't have to reveal when someone isn't able to see what's going on in your account. And if you're on the same page and you're going in the same direction, then you should have that level of transparency. Right. That's a biggie. And I think that's super controversial, to be honest, yeah. but it is unifying, it is transparent, and it holds you both accountable. It forces conversation. So to the extent that you can get there, I know there's a lot of couples who, I mean, this could be a process. This is, this is not an overnight, let's just cold turkey, jump into the same, you know, financial pot at the same time. But especially, especially for couples who have been together, or I should say, have been in their careers for a long time, had their own money for a long time and now you're saying wait a minute we gotta and that's gonna be that's gonna be different you know for i think late i call them late later stage couples who maybe live independent lives yeah because that may be a little they may look and feel a little different but their financial situation could be a little different you know to the positive or to the negative yeah but it is a big step but you know, just something more practical. Commitment goes a long way. And commitment to me is being dedicated and disciplined to do something and continue to stick with it. You know, everybody wants to lose weight, but nobody wants to push back from the table. You know, and it's like commitment is something that people really struggle with, I think. And so that's the area that I would say you have to consider starting with. And I would say, as I think a lot of people assume that the first step is a budget. For us, I think our vision probably did come first. And then we learned how to budget. That was also not something that just automatically happen just because I say I'm a money nerd like it took time to figure out what worked for us but I think for people who are just starting out on trying to figure out what their money journey is going to look like and what their next step is going to be it might not be looking at the numbers first I have learned this it has taken me it took 
probably over 10 years to understand that sometimes you don't need to start with numbers. Sometimes you need to cast vision. Sometimes you need to talk about goals. Sometimes you need to talk about your money past. Like, how did you grow up with money? How was that different from me? And and then you're setting a stage for discussing money matters in a really healthy way. So for those who are resistant or reluctant, or if there is a partner who feels like they aren't good at numbers, that's probably not the best place to start. And it might be the first question is, where is that reluctance coming from? Or what is it that you would prefer to discuss when it concerns money? Give them the floor to start these conversations. Or is there something you're worried or concerned about? And maybe it's really talking about ground rules. Like we're not going to you know, point the finger at one another. We're not mm-hmm. going to not going to shame to... each other. Absolutely. Yeah. And so maybe that's part of the conversation in terms of where you begin, because if if you can lay a solid foundation between the two of you, no matter and it's different for everybody, but if you can lay your solid foundation that is unique to that couple, then it gives you just this beautiful place to to let anything else bring up that's important to you. But it took me a while to learn that. And if people can learn that sometimes the numbers aren't the very first place to start, that could be a win in my book for a lot of couples to make some progress. Yeah. I think what you're saying there is that having a bit of a cornerstone of trust built before you even really get into the details is just so important. And that that goes for, you know, Erica, you and I are doing a lot of coaching, you know, with people. We have to do that because we, we don't know people. They don't know us. And so why would they open up their book, their checkbook, their numbers to us if they don't feel like we're going to be a trustworthy person to truly try to help them with no judgment? And so doing that in your relationship, and I just think about my wife and I too, and think, yeah, we've had to do that too. And I, I love what you said about having the transparency of the shared account. I think that does make a difference. It does open up some conversations. Uh, like, tell me more about that uh, expense I see here. Did we talk about that? So, and I, me too. So I think that does provide many opportunities for conversations down the road. And I think that's, uh, it is a healthy thing to do. And so working on that open communication, that sort of baseline level of trust, because money, it often goes away from money, right? Into like life and decisions and goals and just how you spend your time and all those kinds of things. Really money is just the outside look of it or the, the end, the end thing that happens, but really it's many other things happening beyond that. And if you don't have trust in a relationship, it's going to be really hard. It's going to be really hard to manage your money together and have any sense of good communication along the way. There's been a few few instances when I heard a yell from the office, hey, what is uh, such and such? What? Wait a minute. Somebody's looking at, you know, quick in like, hey, there's an expense here for X, (laughs) Y, and Z. Or or I'm on the account online like, hey, did did you do, what is this? It makes it tough buying each other gifts sometimes because it's like, well, well, what is this? You know, what's going on here? No, nobody authorized this. Right. Surprises are kind of hard. You have to ha- be be strategic with some of that stuff, too. And I think, you know, when we're talking about, you know, commingling funds and things like that, the word that comes to mind for me is interdependence. I feel like a lot of people don't realize we're not looking to be dependent on one another, but we're looking to do life together. And I, I just imagine like, you know, the um, potato sack race. Yep. Yep. <laughs> You mm-hmm. got to have a leg in there, right? And so, and, and you have to move at the same pace and you have to kind of figure out, you know, even if somebody's leg is longer, Chris's legs are longer than mine. And I, I'm going to have to like keep up a little bit and he's going to have to slow down a little bit. And it forces us to do those things when we're working as a team and putting our dollars together. And I think it's, it's important to see what's possible. And I, I always say also just like date the idea. I mean, I know, you know, 
you're married or you're with this person, but date the idea, see, see what works and what doesn't work for you and figure out the best way to move forward. Because, you know, we, I think the goal is just to not, not have any secrets. Like we're just not trying to be underhanded and sneaky behind the scenes because that undermines trust that you just talked about. I'll say this because I don't want your listeners to think that, you know, it's just rainbows and unicorns over here all the time. (laughs) No, (laughs) it's not, you know, we, we don't always see everything the same way. And the things that we're telling people, as far as what you're hearing us say, we have to put into practical application as well. Because there were times when, you know, I was very free in spending, you know, because I was like, look, I go out, I earn a good income, I make bonuses, I want to do what I want to do. Yeah. Oh, I'm glad he's honest. Let's- and, you know, <laughs> Erica was like, well, hold on, you know, we need to, let's go back to the plan. I was like, forget the plan. <laughs> I want to do what I want to do. And there have been times when Erica was like, well, I'm just, I just want to spend. And I'm like, well, hold on now. Let's go back to the plan. And we have been yin and yang at different times. You know, she's been the person who wanted to spend. And I was the person like, whoa, you know, pull the reins back and vice versa. But I think that, you know, we have always stopped and talked about it because we were still unified. We had that trust and we had that commitment because we knew we wanted something that was bigger. Yeah. And so we always defer to the bigger thing and our progress was, okay, let's take this action, but then let's take this other action to satisfy this need in the interim. And so I think that's an important thing that couples or people have to do as they approach their money. And I think we don't always agree. I I think that's the other thing is we don't always agree on money stuff. And I, I think that is to be expected. Like if, if you agree on everything, one of you is unnecessary. <laughs> and so we, we don't always agree, but I think it gives us the chance to stretch and hear a different perspective and to flex a little bit, especially if it's something that is really important to one right. and not as important to the other person. We run into that a lot where we might agree on a certain topic, but he's more adamant or I'm more adamant about something that he cares very little for. And it seems like disagreement but it really is yield you're willing to yield in those instances to your Mm -hmm. partner because there was a season a few times in our lives where I felt very adamant about saving it Erica was like well why do we need to save like that and I was like look it doesn't matter we just need to do it and I didn't know why but the answers were revealed yes like Hmm. afterwards when we when we needed those funds and had we not, had she given me resistance along the way, like just constantly and we didn't do it, we would have been in a bad situation had we not saved the money that we needed in and, that case. And we were really adamant about getting out of debt, but there were times when I was like, let's put all the bonus, everything, every all the extra money onto debt. I was like, hold on, hold on, hold right. on, hold on. <laughs> and, he's, and, and like he said, he's like, I work hard. I want to, you know, see something for sh- to show for that, you know, and, and it's like, okay, so. Can I buy an extra muffin? <laughs> <laughs> you can so, split it. You can split right. the muffin. Exactly. Right. <laughs> and, and so he, you know, it was like, okay, so if it means that we're on the same page longer term, meaning now we're here and it's 25 yes. years later, I want him happy, just like he wants me happy. And what made me happy at the time was to put a bunch of money towards that. But what also made him happy was to go shopping for a little bit. You know what I mean? He wasn't going to spend the whole thing. He just wanted a little something. And so I think just knowing that sometimes you just need to get, and we love our partners, right? So like, sometimes you just need to give them what they need to continue to have their buy-in on where you're trying to go. I'll give you a perfect 
perfect example of that, Bjorn, is, you know, we have a budget, we stick to it, we're sticklers about it, but I'm I'm old school. I just like walking around. I just had to have cash in my pocket. And so we just started a budget <laughs> just so, you know, I could have cash in my pocket. You Chris's know, and, play money is what we call and, it. And, you know, <laughs> you can do whatever, I can do whatever I want. A lot of times I still don't spend it. I just sock it away <laughs> until, you know, I want to do something with it. But we made space for that. Yeah. And what I'm saying is that what is important to one or the other, just make space for it and put it in the budget. So it's not unexpected because it's unexpected things that can cause you to derail the progress that you're trying to make. Yeah. And it's so funny. I don't usually have a whole lot of cash on hand, but he said, I'm going to the bank. Do you need some cash? Because we, we always have miscellaneous money in there. And so I was like, he said, how much? I said, man, give me a hundred dollars. He was like, he was like, oh, you want a hundred dollars? Because I don't keep a hundred dollars <laughs> like, in cash. What are you, you going to do with a hundred dollars? I was like, it <laughs> lasts me the entire month, honey. But literally that was the conversation we had a couple of days ago because he's the one who prefers the cash and I'm the one who, you know, just doesn't care as much about it. But I was like, oh, I'm sure a hundred dollars. And he just like, wow, big spender over here. Cash makes me not spend money because I just don't want to part with it. So it's like, uh, you know, no, I don't need Starbucks today. <laughs> Yeah. I love that progress, though. It seems like as you kind of have gone here, you you figured out that like it was helpful to have some flex money, you know, sort of that you get each get to have. And we, we do that, too, in our marriage too. we each have fun money, no questions asked. And that's one great way to kind of get around the nitpicking of every last expense or, or even just the practicality of like, are we really ever going to be able to talk about every single money decision? Like, I don't know if you guys, have you guys ever done like a spending threshold that like you sort of like over this amount, we'll discuss it, but under this, like no big deal, you know, like, don't worry about it. Absolutely. We've always had that. The funny thing though, you bring that up, the thresholds are different. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Because he could potentially, his taste is more expensive than mine for most things. He he's a little bit more expensive. I, I see, I see you. I saw someone raise their raise my hand. We we won't be showing the video, but I would just raise my hand. That would be this guy here. I'm a golfer, so that's my taste of expense. Yeah. <laughs> we know how much that costs, and that and so his his tastes are a bit more expensive. So our thresholds are different. What makes me uncomfortable to spend? His number is bigger. Yeah, she she'll be uncomfortable with something. I'm like, oh man, I okay, let's go, let's do it. But the threshold for each of us still is we need to have a conversation over the. The lower amount yes. instead of the higher amount, right? Because and and so that's important for for distinction. He even called me one time and said, "Hey, honey, I got this you know gift idea for you for our anniversary, and it's it's over our threshold. I just need to know. I, I really want to get this for you, and so I, I just, just want you to be okay with yeah what I'm about to do for right. you. Right, right. And so it was weird, but it was good. It turned out to be great. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I think being able to get to a place in any relationship where you can say things like that i mean it's almost like it's like something we all desire to attain i feel like you know in in a relationship that we could sort of get to a place where we can be open like this you know about spending about other things too and i think this is one area that is so interesting because we just don't often want to talk about it and like you guys both said at the start i mean you you both brought in history on it from your families everybody does that and so you know you, you may have people may be listening and like they never heard ever anything about money growing up and so to talk it all about it is a big deal. And there could be others that grew up where it was talked about all the time and it was totally an open book. And so that's part of, I think, the beauty of, I was thinking as you were 
talking, you know, kind of this diversity of thought in our relationships and how it's so good because like it's it's so important to have different ways of thinking about it, different spending thresholds, different goals. It's so hard too because that creates conflict. But like you guys both said, you were thinking about the bigger goals. And I think together you can be better. You know, together you can actually reach the higher heights because of that accountability factor. Because life is hard, unexpected things happen. And you both, it sounds like at times, have had to play the role of the accountability partner for each other. And if you didn't have each other in those moments, you would have fallen off the bus. You would have made a bad decision. You would have maybe gone down a different path. And so you kind of hold each other together and that can actually allow you to reach some bigger goals than you you know imagined ever possible and i think that's kind of the one of the big life life lessons i think just in general is that even if you're not in a relationship and you're listening to this like just having someone in your life like a friend a family member a, a expert someone that you can just be open with and ask for someone to ask you questions on a regular basis about your money is a game changer it really is for everybody in their life you know, I have a someone that we know, and he said he was gonna he was gonna work on losing weight because he got married, and in the first couple of years, he said he put on like a hundred pounds. That's like, a lot. Wow, that's a lot of weight. But then he said, you know, he was gonna commit to making a change, and so I saw him recently. I was like, okay, where you at with it? You know, what's going on? What are you working on? He's like, well, I'm working on a nutrition side of it, and this is what I'm doing. And I wasn't trying to, you know, bring shame. I was just trying to remind him that you made a commitment and you were going to be accountable. So I was trying to just hold him accountable to what he said. And I think sometimes, like, especially in relationships, people have to think the best. And Erica is good at this. She thinks the best of people. I am skeptical most times. (laughs) What I realize is that in relationships, people want to fight. Mm-hmm. and they want to be right yeah and in a fight in a fight Bjorn, the goal is is what to win to win and when you fight and the goal is to win then you're going to injure or cause damage at any cost and so people have to realize that you can't you can't fight about it because if you inflict damage some of that is irreparable mm-hmm. and so i really feel like that's where when i talk about communication and things like that you don't want to create irreparable damage to yourself or someone else when you're trying to go someplace together yeah. and that's why it's so important to have that counterbalance you know so someone can hold you accountable and to shift those roles because at the end of the day you're on the same team you're in the same vehicle going in the same direction. And if you keep that in mind, that's when people don't, you know, fight unfairly or do things that will cause all that damage at the end of the day. Yeah, that's good. I feel like I I asked Chris like a couple of weeks ago, do you feel like we've ever had a real fight? Hmm. And we typically will just have like a disagreement. I I like to call it a dust up. Yeah, that's what we call it. We call it dust ups. (laughs) You know, you can't see clearly when the dust is has been kicked up, and sometimes you sneeze and you're out of sorts a little bit, and the dust has to settle before you can actually see clearly. And and I feel like that is a really good picture of kind of what happens. But I'll put my coach hat on too because when you're in a disagreement or a skirmish or whatever it is that you want to call it. One of the most damaging things that you can do is be accusatory. And so like saying why, like asking questions, why did you do that? You know, that reframe it and say, well, 
what made that important to you? And having a really good question to invite them in to say more than just, first of all, yes or no, and also not, you know, point daggers or stand in judgment or, you know, all of that kind of stuff, I think is really important in relationships. And that is vital in communicating about anything, but money in particular, because money is funny. And we're, we're really, we like to hold on to our money for dear life. You know what I mean? Like we, we just, we, we work hard for the money, right? There's songs all about it. Right. And, and the whole thing is that we've made it so important in our lives. Like we've made money so important in our lives. that It is very hard to break down some of those flaws and we need techniques to do that. And that, that's what good, good communication does. We don't always, sometimes we say, you know, we're two ships passing in the night. We're not fully communicating well. Like he's not hearing what I'm giving and he, I'm not hearing what he's giving. And so we're just not fully aligned and we have to like reset a little bit. And I think when you have tools like how to ask a good question or, you know, you know, what makes your partner tick and what turns them off, what makes them, you know, fly off the handle, for instance, then you know what not to do as well. You know, I think those things are really important and valuable in, in understanding who you're with and, and also just who else is in. The, I, mean, I feel like this goes for our kids, too. And also make space to hear yeah. what they have to say. If you ask the question, leave room to hear them because everybody wants to be heard. And if they know that you heard them and then you can tease it out, that's when you get that greater buy in, that trust. Because right. you can violate trust so easily by asking a question and then hearing it, but then saying something that doesn't even relate to the answer. Because mm-hmm. they're like, well, you didn't even hear. You asked me a question. You didn't hear what I said. And now you're on to something else. See, this is this is this is for real, because I have to learn to not <laughs> interrupt when we're having our communication moments. <laughs> yeah, But <laughs> it's, yeah. It, it's real talk. And if you if, if you if your partner hears you or even if you're talking to a trusted financial advisor or someone, they give you some input and then you say something but they don't even hear what you're saying, you can't trust that. Right. I love what you said about just reframing how you ask questions. And then I think, Chris, to your point, hearing and understanding truly what is being said and even just doing some reflection back to the person too. I mean, really coaching skill sets are just great skill sets to have in life, like in your relationships, your friendships, like family, even as you do work. I mean, it's so easy to be thinking the whole time and so tempting to be thinking the whole time about like, how am I going to counter that? What's the next question I'm going to ask? Like, I don't have any time for this. My phone is beeping. There's so many distractions and just trying to put those aside and trying to say like, so I think what I heard you say was this or wow, that that does sound really tough. You know, how can how can I help you through that? Or, you know, just having a truly meaningful response that isn't trying, in my case, trying to solve everything, because that's not what my wife is always looking for. She just wants to know that I'm hearing and understanding. Yes. So, oh, boy. And I have four daughters, too. So I know you guys have daughters and uh, they just want to be heard. They just want to be heard. And I've gotten good at saying to Erica, OK, uh, are you seeking advice or am I just listening right now? <laughs> you yes. Just check in, check in to make yes, sure. Right. That- <laughs> I've got an answer. I've got an answer and a solution for you because I already figured it out. See? But which one is it? Am I just listening to you or am I providing? That's great. You know, a way out of this. Well, and and sometimes it truly is both. From a woman's perspective, sometimes it truly is both. And you and it it takes us slowing down enough to hear what is being said and allow that person to vent. And then 
at the appropriate time offer a potential solution. And of course, this is coming from the dude who always, you know, believes he's right. Well, well, I spent so he has the answer. I spent so many years, like I, I was, I spent years in sales and sales leadership. So I always found myself coming home and like using tactics that I've employed at work. And then, you know, I, I put my MBA hat on and it's like, okay, I've got, I've got some business-based solutions. And I'm like, I don't want your answers right now, sir. I just need you to hear what it is I'm saying. I was like, no, but oh I, I studied this. I can tell you. I'm like, that is not going to work in my case. <laughs> oh, man. it's You guys are so real. I love it. I just, you know, this, I can, I'm just like thinking about all these ways, Chris, where I've been like that with my wife. Like, I just, you know, I'm going to use my MBA and my financial <laughs> expertise here to, you know, solve all these problems and do it That's super efficiently. and. Yeah. You just need to listen and hear and then tell her. And then she's like, yeah, okay, thank you. And well, I love good. I love what you said, too, about the team mindset. I, I, It's kind of funny. We, I literally just a couple of days ago at the breakfast table with all my kids, I was just realizing we weren't kind of all on the same team. We've been kind of struggling with that a little bit. And we just came back from a vacation together. And there were moments uh, where we were not on the same team. So they like basketball. And so we were just talking about, okay, I just asked them, I mean, they're pretty young, you know, like, all right, if everyone on the team is is doing their own thing, what happens, you know, in basketball? And they're like, well, the other team scores on you and you lose the game. And there was great points. But my hope was that they would sort of start to realize that, yeah, we have to, we have to work together. Like we have to play defense and offense and we have to know the play and we have to kind of know a little bit of what's going on and we have to support each other. And so it just provided a great example. And you you guys just did too, of, of how you can really do your money well, and you can reach amazing goals and heights doing it together rather than apart. And, and if you're constantly bickering and fighting and don't work on the foundation you just can't get ahead. You can't get ahead on your life because you'll always kind of be in that struggle mode. And that makes it super hard to even dream about things that you would love to be able to accomplish. And I think, Erica, to your much earlier point of sometimes you, you just don't start with the money, you start with the, the dreams and the goals. That is very true and can get people super excited about it. And then then you kind of get into like the real hard work of like, how do you figure this out? How do you do this well? And so that's where then the communication and the relationship and sort of working on that and desiring the best of the other person in the relationship can truly make a difference because it can actually help you both to reach these goals that you both are super excited about and you want to actually get there. So I just appreciate you guys sharing that. I think uh, you, you obviously have, you're not perfect. Nobody is, but you have done a great job of laying an important foundation that I think a lot of people could learn from. Yeah, I appreciate that. Well, it's funny because for me, I feel like, you know, I definitely ran my kids away from doing anything in the financial arena just because of <laughs> we talk we about talk money about so, much. so much. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh, my God, no, cannot go into finance. But they both know how to budget. And that is a win. We will we will take that for what it is. Oh, yeah. That's awesome. Well, as we kind of come to a close here, I'd like to ask each of my guests, if you if you were to give your younger self some advice, how about just some financial advice or maybe just some relational advice and money, anything that you would give your younger self uh, a piece of advice that has sort of paid off here? One piece of advice is if you're dating, talk about money before anybody puts a ring on it. <laughs> don't wait until you get married to have that conversation because that definitely was helpful for us because we started talking about money even before we walked down the aisle if i knew then what i know now i would have told myself then 
Like, just start a raw and put something in it. Just start. Just put something and be committed. If it's 20, 25, 50 bucks a month, just do it. Just to create a habit. I, I didn't know what a Roth was then, but I know the value of it now. So. <laughs> oh, man. I know. I think, yeah, that's actually probably one of the number one things I would also say for like a for like a kid. You know, like if you just are doing any kind of job, summer job, anything, college job, whatever it is, just take advantage of time, get that going. So oh, I love it. <laughs> well, Chris and Erica, just such so many nuggets of gold there today that you shared. And I super appreciate you guys just you know, kind of being vulnerable with your own relationship. And I love what you have. I love what you guys have. You've got a beautiful family and it's awesome. You get to do this together. I mean, who, who gets to work with their spouse on something they love to do. So how cool is that? And make sure to check out the four better and worth podcast too. You guys have an awesome podcast. Um, I've listened to some episodes. Uh, you guys, you're just like you were um, on your <laughs> podcast. I love it. You're just uh, super real and, and, and uh, genuine. So we appreciate it. I appreciate it. And uh, anything else you want to just uh, leave our listeners with? You guys like to say? Well, you know what? I'll, I'll say that it's it's been worth it. All of the work, all the, the hard work uh, and the time we put into trying to make, you know, our finances different. It's been worth it. Our kids are debt free. And that is a testament to what we tried to plant years ago. So it hasn't been perfect. No, the journey's been great highs and lows, but it's been worth it. And so thank you. Thank you so much for having us. This has been a pleasure and I'm glad that we're able to help a little bit by just kind of mixing, making some deposits into into the Life Money You community. And I'll, I'll keep it real simple. I say just focus on the progress because, you know, there there's light at the end of the tunnel. And when you get to the other side, it, it looks really good. And the things you go through, they only last for a moment. And people get caught up in the moment and don't realize that it'll be over before you know it. And so focus on the progress because the progress will be the thing that continues to motivate you to keep going. And so, you know, check us out for better and worth on Instagram uh, and everywhere on all the (laughs) platforms. So hope we can keep putting out good content that'll impact people's lives. Awesome. Well, thanks to you both. I really, really do appreciate it. Awesome advice. If you are listening and you want to get some additional help with your finances, check out the Life Money You program. We have a free subscription. You can join, get access to financial content, coaches, tools. You're also eligible for membership at BCU, which is our owning credit union, and you take advantage of awesome products and services there. So we know life happens. Money is important, and we are here for you, and we appreciate you listening. We hope you have a great rest of your day.